Well, aloha, everyone. I just wanted to give a little update on what's been happening over here in the Dropping Into Power podcast. I'm not sure how wise it is to actually tell a story and put things out into the world when you have a head injury, but it just seems like the thing to do. I do have some incredible women lined up, and over the next month or six weeks, we'll have three or possibly four wonderful podcasts popping in, but there were a series of illnesses, personal emergencies, and recently in my life, a pretty serious injury. So I just wanted to sort of do a little mini injury update and actually talk a little bit about, a lot of people have asked me questions like, you know, how are you going to feel getting back into the water and how do you manage this? So I've never had an injury quite like this, and I'll go ahead and just tell the story to start with. Um, some of you may follow me on Instagram, and if you do, this dropping into power is one of my handles for the podcast, and then also just my name. Well, actually, I think it's over the falls now, but if you search Sheila Galleon, it will come up. And I put a very, very graphic photo on there of what actually happened to my head, which is I essentially got scalped by a longboard fin. And there are so many things to say about this injury, but I mostly want to express first and foremost this incredible gratitude to the ocean, to the many people who helped me, um, and to just the incredible miracle of, of emergency room medicine and paramedics and all of that. So basically what happened was I went out on a bigger day to um, a break that I only surf when it's bigger. And I thought, oh, I'm going to take my shortboard because I actually feel safer on my shortboard because I'm more maneuverable, but it is very much a longboard break and it's a big left. And it was an interesting direction that day. It was much more to the north than I typically surf out there. So the currents were acting a little bit differently. Typically, there's a, a really good channel um, that you can paddle over to. And also you can really judge, you know, where the peak is breaking and be able to go deeper than the long borders, which is what makes me feel typically safer is I can usually paddle, you know, into the peak, the long border is not taking off directly, you know, under the peak. So I can usually choose if need be to take that on my head. It's a little bit deeper at this break than some of the other places in Kona. So um, don't typically worry about getting ground into the, the reef. And, you know, typically it's a place I feel pretty comfortable, even though I'm sitting really deep and kind of closer to the point. So I have a little amnesia with exactly what happened, but basically pretty good size set came. And I often sit on the inside, but I was actually on the inside of the outside, which put me in a pretty bad position if I didn't feel typically maneuverable. It's not a place I would sit if I didn't typically feel like I would have no problem getting out of the way, but I wanted to catch set wave. So that was kind of where I needed to be. So uh, things happened really fast and, you know, the wave stood up and I could see a longboarder taking off. She's a good surfer. I wouldn't have thought twice about it. And there was somebody a little bit deeper than her. And so I think that got in my peripheral view but still, as I tried to paddle deeper so I could take off closer to the peak, the current kind of held me there from the north direction. 
So I saw her coming and we saw each other. There wasn't much I could do except try to duck dive under her. This is something I've done a lot. I mean, not a lot, a lot, but I've had to do with short borders where you see somebody coming and you just dive deep so that they're able to still take the wave. And there's typically confidence around that. It's typically not a scary situation if you know the surfer is a good surfer and typically only a good surfer would do this, <laughs> take off when they're in, you know, sort of the deep, steep part of the wave and maybe even like literally do an airdrop and you're not quite on the shoulder, but kind of halfway in between trying to get out of their way. If you don't have the option and just for anyone that listening that doesn't know this, it's always the surfer's obligation. If you are underneath somebody and they are taking off the wave, it is always your obligation to paddle towards the peak and take the punishment so that the surfer gets the wave. Um, however, sometimes it's just not an option. So I've had it work out, you know, several times, multiple times over the years where I duck dive and then somebody probably doesn't go directly over my head, but basically kind of does a little maneuver and stays high or whatever. And it's not a problem because the fins are only three inches long and I'm not far under the wave. Well, in this case, the fins were longer. And so as I duck dove under and I thought I really wasn't even worried. I thought for sure I was going to make it. Um, I suddenly felt this explosion in my head. And when I came up, it's not my proudest moment but I was literally screaming at the top of my lungs. It was really painful. And I was just screaming. And the surfer who I didn't realize I knew actually came up to me and she was like, get on your board, Sheila. And I literally, like I said, not my proudest moment, but I was just like, fuck you. <laughs> Cause that was in that moment, she was just a chick who ran me over. Um, I wasn't really in any sort of place of processing more than that. Um, I knew that my head was hurt. Um, I knew that I had been hit really hard, but I didn't know any more than that. And I was, it's not actually a right there, but if you catch it correctly, you can catch a right and you have to go into this cove that's really rocky. It's got all these round, like slippery rocks. And then you have to crawl up onto, not crawl, but you have to walk up over the rocks in this cove. And then you have to walk along, you know, kind of a craggy, trail that goes along more rocks as it gets back to the coast. And so it's not a tiny, it's not a tiny walk-in, but I was delivered by this wave. A wave came and I got on my belly and it took me straight into the cove. Um, I even beat the woman in who was, who was trying to help me. So I, you know, ran up on the rocks and there was another man there who had just seen it. But as I was paddling in on that wave, I put my hand up to my head and it was just covered in blood. It was bright red. And I knew that head wounds bleed a lot. So I still wasn't totally panicking. But then as I got out of the water, I could see the blood pouring down my shoulder and onto my board. And then I started to get scared. I just thought I have to get to the shore and I have to get to an ambulance. And that's the one thing I had said, like, tell someone to call 911. And she had said, like, I'm sure they did. Because it's a place that people sit and watch, thank goodness, um, because there's big, beautiful waves and people like to watch the beautiful surfers on it. So somebody had probably already called 911. Well, I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. But because I was, because I got back on my board and paddled in and it's pretty far away, they may not have. But 
nonetheless, so a guy was standing on the shore and I don't think he was a surfer, but he was like, I saw that. Do you need help? And he kind of took my hand and helped me up. The first part, but being me, I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. So I'm running along the, with my board, blood is pouring down my arm. And then another man who I need to find out who this was came and met me and took my board. And I'm still sort of walking along the rocks. And he's like, do you need help? And I didn't think I did, but suddenly I realized, oh, I better take his hand. So he helped me go along the rest of the rocks. And then I got up on this wall that you have to, you know, walk along uh, where there's a house kind of framed off. And my friend Jules meets me with a baby on his hip, takes my hand, two people take my hand and walk me across the street to where there's a shower and there's like an external wall. So meanwhile, I don't really know what's going on, but I've put my hand up to my head and it feels like there's a flap. It feels like my skin is flapping. So I'm asking people, is my head like, is this a big flap? Is a piece of my head flapping? Oh, no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. Everyone said to me to sort of keep me calm until we approached this one spot and there was and where the people shower and there was a guy in the shower and he took one look at me and he's like, oh my God. And I heard somebody else say, don't say that to her. Don't say that to her. So I knew it was not good. And they got me seated and then somebody came up with towels and they were making a, a, a compress on my head and holding the wound. Somebody else was on the phone to the paramedics. People just jumped into action. And some of them, I know their name and some of them I don't. I don't know that they want to be mentioned. So I'm not actually going to say their names here. Um, but just incredibly grateful to everybody who helped. So from there, eventually the paramedics came and I could see by the look on the paramedics face that it was not good. But they got me into the hospital, the ambulance, took my vital signs, which were all good. I never lost consciousness. There was one time where I finally, they had to lay me down because I finally got really dizzy. Um, and I remember this man holding me in his arms and, you know, another woman pressing the compress against my head. I mean, it was really, really very humbling and tender. And as I got into the ambulance, People were running and taking care of my belongings, making sure I had my purse and my phone and everything. It's really just incredibly humbling. And um, from there, the paramedics took me. My vitals were good. I was still conscious. You know, they're taking all the measurements. They gave me some really powerful pain medication. At that point, it started to really, 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 really hurt. Um, and I started to understand a little more of what was going on with my head, but still not very much. Um, I had my Hanai auntie was visiting, thank God, while I was here. And I had the paramedics call her. I was able to help them through my phone and the contacts and coordinate, communicate with my daughter. So I still didn't know really what to expect. When I got into the ER, uh, I was definitely getting some looks. I could tell that things were pretty intense looking. And when the nurse came to actually clean it, well, the first they took me, it was really painful again, but they gave me good medicine. They took me in to get a CAT scan and miraculously I had no skull damage, no brain bleeding, no internal bleeding. And we had a horrific tragedy um, just a couple months ago where a young girl was hit by her board and died. And, you know, I just kept thinking, it just honestly, at that point, how lucky I was and how determined I was to make sure I lived because I have a, 
I have a young daughter and I'm a single mom and she needs me. Um, I guess she's not that young anymore, but all of that's going through your mind. So it was a huge relief. But in the meantime, as I came back and they started to clean the wound, and that was really a lot of fun, the nurse took pictures for me. And when I saw the pictures of the wound, which I horrified many of my friends and family with by putting on Instagram, that's when I really understood what had happened. And the fin had literally sliced to my skull, literally scalped me from this side. The, the cut is about eight inches and the whole side of my head was just peeled open. So the process from there was to have them rinse it and clean it. And they kept saying, it's such a clean cut. It's such a clean cut. It's amazing. So I'm thankful uh, that the women kept took really good care of her fins and that I was in a very clean part of the ocean. There was no sand, no grit. I cannot even imagine what it must be like for people that have to have those kinds of wounds cleaned. From there, the doctor came in and started to do the numbing to be able to sew things up. I would definitely say that that was the worst part of it all. And it took him about a half an hour to slowly mum the whole area with a series of splashing on the lidocaine and then multiple injections. So that was tricky. Then they had to sew up the inner layer. And when he finally came to doing the staples, there were 16 staples, which is, I understand, a very impressive number. So that was the critical side of it. And that was last Thursday. Nobody really talked to me about concussion or about anything beyond that. I think it just was a minor part of the whole thing. I had beyond having to be sewn up and not having internal bleeding or skull fracture, that was really all the ER doctors were concerned about. So the rest of this is really just about the process of where I'm at now, which is a week later. And I'm so thankful to the people that have continued to check up on me. It was really hard for me to accept or understand that I had to really be down. And I had a really hilarious conversation with my daughter when she was in standing there. And I had been intent on going this week to my brother's memorial. My brother passed away in the fall and it was a memorial I had organized and really wanted to go to. And everybody was looking at me like I was crazy, like you were not getting on a plane. And so I looked at my daughter and I'm like, but it's just a cut. And so she's looking at me on the whole side of my head. I think at that point was sutured, but was just, I'm blonde-ish and the whole side is just covered in blood. And she just looks at me and starts cracking up. She's like, yeah, just a little cut. And I guess that's just how I've expected it. It's amazing how quickly we dismiss things and dismiss injuries. And it was just hard for me to realize, oh, this is kind of a big deal. And my brain wasn't working right. And my memory wasn't working right. And I was exhausted. And I kept trying to work or to take care of things. And I can't say I was completely eager to get in the ocean because I don't feel traumatized by the ocean at all, but I don't feel well enough to surf. So I think, uh, I think I'm okay on that. But I also had this amazing outreach from a young woman who surfs in Norway. And she, I'm not going to say a lot about her, but she is going to be on the pod in a couple of months and had her own very serious injury. And one of the questions she asked me was, you know, how are you going to deal with getting back in the water? 
And it is, a, you know, a question I've had to ask, am I actually scared of surfing? I've had other, I've had many other injuries, nothing like this, where it tends to make me timid and it tends to make me hesitant. And actually in surfing, that can be really, really dangerous because that split second that you don't commit to the wave um, can make a difference between you making it and which case your board could flip over, things could happen and you could injure yourself more. So really, I just wanted to tell my story and just sort of document it for where I'm at. And, and I'll mention it in the next podcast to give a little more update on the next process. I get my staples out tomorrow. Well, hopefully tomorrow. And I'm sure it will be at least another week before I'm going to go into the water at all with my head exposed. Because Although we have beautiful water here, we do have staff in places and nobody needs a staff infection in their head. So that's number one is to just really take my time with it. When I feel strong enough, I'm going to go back to my wave key because I was really loving that. And I definitely highly recommend wave key, especially for short borders. I don't know if it has the same effect for, for long borders. And mostly, I think for me, it's a practice of gratitude. But I want to also speak to something else that came up to, for me. It's just been such a strange, strange time. And I found out a couple of days ago that my ex-husband passed away. And that ex-husband is the person, when I became, when I divorced from him, that's when I started surfing. And for anybody who's listened to my whole story, the me, myself, and I, it was that divorce and other things that followed that part of my life that led me into the water. And it's very surreal and strange that we divorced more than 20 years ago. I've really not had any real contact with him. It wasn't unamicable. It's just when I started surfing, our lives completely diverged. He continued on with his life in music. He went on to have a, a big relationship. Um, I saw him briefly in, uh, I think, 2015 or 16, when a dear friend, a mutual friend of ours passed away. And I had no idea he had suffered with health problems. He's also the inspiration of the character in Dropping In the Movie. I'm sorry he won't get to see that because although he might have wanted to sue me for the first part, I think that the last part he would have found gratifying. So it made me, and, and the weird thing is, is I've been wanting to reach out to him the last few months, but he never reached out to me. So I thought, eh, I'm just going to let it go. And my first feeling was, you know, when you feel that, you should really do that because when my brother was really suffering at the end, I didn't reach out to him. We'd been estranged. And my feeling was then like, oh, when you get that feeling, you really should follow up. But I actually had another epiphany about this yesterday. And it's another piece of why I'm talking about this, which is that this injury for me has shown me that I need to learn to let go, to really, really, really let go of the past and to really move forward with the choices, with who is with me now, which who shows up for me now with what I love most now, with what matters to me most now, because I don't know about any of you, 
But I realized that I have, in fact, been holding on to so many different feelings, wanting people to be thinking about me, even if they're not in my life anymore. And, you know, wanting to be important to people, even when their lives have moved on, needing to find a way to bless our loves, our life, our experiences, and really, truly move past them. And I really feel like this accident, this slice to the head has shown me what I have now and who showed up for me now, who I have in my life and what I have, what I so treasure. And one of those things is, of course, my relationship to the ocean and my ability and my health to be a part of it, my sacred and spiritual practices that I perform each time I go in the ocean that I don't talk about, but that are real to me, the incredible gift that I was given of being brought safely to shore from this ocean, all the people that have continued to check up on me and just what is possible, what is possible going forward if, if I am able to really embrace the gratitude, the joy, the real love that's present and available and magnify that and make more of that happen in my life. Bring, bring more people and keep celebrating the people who are a part of this and the women that I'm interviewing and the people that have so much passion for living um, and living in the world I live in, you know, not needing to drag people out from other worlds that aren't in mine, if that makes any sense. So thank you for listening to this update. I'm really excited for the incredible women that are going to be coming up. And it's just going to take some, some planning and some time and some healing for me to be able to get those interviews completed, edited, and out to you. But it's been quite a while and quite a break. And so I just wanted to pop in say hello, say thank you for listening. Thank you for all your support. I've definitely heard from people that listen to the podcast. I'm so grateful um, for your love and support and connection. And I'm so excited about everything that we're doing. So until then, I'll talk to you soon. And aloha. Mm-hmm.